Hey yo, we about to tear it up. Yo, break for break, break for break, get drunk. This right here is how we do it. Break it down. It's the Break Atoms podcast. We break things down to the very last compound. My name is Summit, aka the Potty Mouth of the South. And my name is Chris Mitchell, aka the Actual Factual. I don't need to get into too much because you already know who is here today and we've got a couple of legends and we're super excited to have both of them join us today. They have, as we were saying off off camera, off air, um, they've shaped much of our hip hop growing up, um, production uh, to MCs. They've, they've been an integral part of our, of our childhood in terms of growing up. Um, I'm very pleased and very honoured to have Mr. Walt and Evil D on the Breaking Atoms podcast. How you guys doing? All right, man. How you doing? Yo, dope, dope, dope. We, we, we're good, man. I want to get to the shits. Let's just get to it. I, I, <laughs> I'm going to keep it real. Like I, I sometimes just talk too much and sometimes I've got to shut up. And in the, presence right, okay, of, in, the, in the presence of legends, I just got to shut up and learn. So we'll talk. Uh, look, we'll get, look, we've got a, look let, this is, a, this is, um, this is not an interview. This is a conversation. We're having a conversation, and we're with it's it's four it's four four young men talking talking about life, music, and stuff like that. So, the, yo, be free, bro. Be free. Be Appreciate free. it. Thank you. So, what we'll do is we'll start. Let's get, let's get the let's get the the present stuff out of the way with, and we'll dig in. We can dig in into the crates from there. New single. Uh, with Karras, one I've also seen the remix come out. It's on Soul Spasm. Talk to us about Seckle. Talk to us about the new project. Let's get let's get that all right away. Sci-fi creativity. Let's get to that. All right, Seckle is the record that we always wanted to make with Chris. We've made records with Chris for like twenty years, but the record we always wanted to make was Seckle. Right? To me, Seckle is like. My nine millimeter goes bang, or you know, in that in that type of realm, or, or you know what I'm saying. So that was always the record. Now, here's a secret that we didn't really tell nobody. We did this record in mm-hmm. 2005. Yep. Yep. Like 2005, 2006, we did this record, and it, we sat on this record for such a long time. Like, yeah. um. One day, um, um, our friend Luck, Pastanus's brother, his, his little brother, said, "Yo, what do y'all? You know what? Y'all need to go finish that Beat Miners album." And we were like, ah, "I don't know." And he was like, "Yo, I think y'all should do it." And we went in and said, mm-hmm. "You know what? Let's do it, man." And went in and just started working and started getting some of these tracks together and came out with stifle creativity. The original name of the album was the Defiant Ones. That was going yeah. to be the name of the album. But when Dre and Jimmy Iveen came out with that um documentary, it was like, okay, we can't call it that. Yeah. So we I decided um stifle creativity was the was the thing. And the only reason why I called it that is because we're taking it back to the boom bap um era. Yeah. Okay. 
that that makes it. I was gonna ask because I feel like there's a there's a hint of of irony in stifled creativity because right. no one's really ever stifled your creativity. Like who right. can stifle Evil D, Mister What? No one can. You guys are just <laughs> you guys do what you want to do. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. It's like and and I felt that was the irony. So that, that really really great. You you um you explained that. So, and talk to us about your kind of collaborative working process together when making this album and and previous albums too, of course. Well, I, I go, you know, I see what Walt's doing and I steal the idea. And as I steal the idea, I tell everybody I did it. That's how it happens. Yeah, that's right. how basically how it starts. That's how it no. starts. <laughs> we're, getting into, we're getting into Bink Miss uh, Just Blaze realms here. This is what we're doing. Okay, I got you. I got you. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, no, nah, you know, it, like we both are creative. You know, we both are creative and like... Things just happen. Like I, this, I, we can't even explain how, how keep Joyce. Keep in mind. Made. Keep in mind, we live in the same house that we both were born yeah. in. You know, if the world doesn't know, we are bl- brothers, like blood brothers. Yes, I'm, yeah, I'm the older brother, and so we, we in this house, this is the Dugard Cribber hit, and this is mm-hmm. the house where we did Into the Stage, yeah. where we did The Shining, where we did Shades to Brooklyn, where we yeah. did. OC and D'Angelo and like all the records we did them in this building. So I'm on the third floor. He's on the first floor. The second floor is the family floor and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. We usually meet all over there. Um, or he's working on something. I'll go downstairs. If I need a baseline plate on something that I made, I'll be like, yo, e, can you play the bass? Blah, 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 this and that. So that's, that's really all how our how our creative um process process yeah interesting interesting you know so go on chris no go ahead to me no no i was gonna say over to you man no i was i was gonna say so what like the thing with you guys music that really hits me as a fan is that a west indian kid like me growing up in london there was something about your music, the bass lines and just like listening to The Shining. I'm like, yeah, these you, you instilled some kind of West Indian pride in me as right. a as a young hip hop fan. And I just want to know, like growing up in Brooklyn, what was, you know, your 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 memories or your takeaways from growing up in a, in a multicultural household? So Spanish and Jamaican, how did that impact your music? Well, originally our family is from Belize. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, they're from Belize, so you know that's British Honduras right there. So that's like a, a off brand of 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 uh, the UK yeah. and stuff like that. Uh-huh. So you know, um, we always had the reggae vibe out here. You know, uh, we're in Bushwick, but we all that was always incorporated in in the household. And yeah, and we live in a predominantly Spanish area, but. Eastern Parkway is not too far from us. You know what I'm saying? So you know how, <laughs> how Eastern Parkway led off on Labor Day and, and stuff like that. You know, we got Flatbush, we got Brownsville. Yeah. You know, all Brooklyn is just one big melting pot, but it's the Caribbean massive is large out here. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, you That's know. right. That's what I loved when I went to Flatbush and I saw the sign, um, Little Caribbean. I was like, yeah. I was in my element in Flatbush. Yeah. Oh man, like, that's dope. Oh man, I, I nearly shed tears when I left. Um, let's 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 talk about these early early record stores you you worked in. So even the Knickerbocker Records, Mr. Walt Music Factory. Yeah. What did those days teach you about the art of selling music? Of selling, 
Yeah, go ahead, what? Um, or just about it, music in general. It just, you know what? It, it just helped us. It helped us understand the game. Yeah. When we both worked in record stores, it helped us understand the game and how the game is played. I mean, you know, it was just, I was working, I worked in Music Factory from 1987 to 1991 when it closed. And he worked in, the name of the spot was Music Hut, and he worked in Music Hut from when? From? Um, no, it was actually Nickelbacker Records, Nickelbacker right. Records. Then, didn't it uh, change the Music Hut? It, it changed, when Tony Touch got there, it changed the Music right. Hut. Right, right. But um, it was, I worked there, uh, how many years? I worked there a long time, like from like junior high to high school. Right. And um, then I left there and went to Beat Street Records downtown Brooklyn. Now at, at Knickerbocker Records, I learned about, how, you know, the sales process and ordering records and how record right. stores ordered, you know, how record stores bought their records from the distributors. And then when I went to B Street, B Street was a bigger world. Like B Street taught me um, about actually sales and how, you know, how and also dealing with artists they would have in stores and all that. But the best in stores was at Walt store. Right. <laughs> he, he had the Ella in stores. Yeah, we had we had bigger in stores. Yeah. We had we have to shut down the block. We 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 had an in store. With uh, the biggest store we ever had was um, Big Daddy Kane, and <laughs> so that so you know I had to, I had to get the ghetto security, so I had to call E and and oh, it was man. a bunch of other people I called, and yo we had Jamaica Avenue shut down, so it was so big, everybody like it was so big that we had we let three people in and then we had to shut. The area, yeah, down. they came out for Kane. This was, and this is 1988. Yeah, okay, 1980. so right, wow, yeah, long nobody, came, nobody came for Ice T, and I, I felt bad for him. <laughs> and like, no, nobody came out for him, and I was yeah, like, came for uh, Kane. they came only for Big Daddy Kane. Yeah, but it's, yeah, I get, and I understand that, and, and you know, we love Ice T, but Kane is Kane. Kane yeah. is one yeah. of the greatest. Of all right. time in any generation, yeah, you know, yeah. Brooklyn in the eighties as well. And wow. in the eight, like at that time, he was the king. You know, they, right. he was, you know, right. what, what the new kids think of Drake and Kendrick and Cole. No, that that was Kane back then, and Kane right. is, and still as ill as 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 it as he ever was. I love Kane. Oh, Kane. Right, Kane is all. Oh. I mean, we had we had um, and then again at my job, it was just, and if we didn't have an in store, guys would just normally just show up. Yeah, like Biz was a regular, LL was a regular, um, Run D and J were regulars. Like I, I'm, I met everybody at the record store before I even made a record. Like I met, I became like close friends with Tribe and De La. Q Tip gave me my name, Mister Walt. He's the one who actually called me Mister Walt. Um. Yo, I met everybody. Chuck D. I met I met all the public enemy there, EPMD, Salt and Pepper. Um, it was the list goes on. Biz, God rest the dead, was a regular there. All my friendships I made during the record store. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, you know who I met at my store? <laughs> Too you know short. who I met at my store? Too short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. No. That's the end of the list. Yeah, that's it. That's fair. That's too, hey, no, not too. That's not the only people. The only um, cats that actually came into the store like that was X Clan, right? And when X Clan would come in, when X Clan would show up, they would shut the mall down, yeah. right? Because it was like they they was coming in just from beating up the bootleggers for selling they, for selling their tapes. Absolutely. And they they were coming and buy some rackets. Have you met Tony Touch? Yeah. Well, no, I met Tony Touch around the way. Well, you know, the funny thing is, yeah, Tony Touch took my old job that I had at um, at um, Knickerbocker Records, which changed owners and became Music Hut. And Tony Touch was in the spot and Catch was like, yo, this other dude in there trying to be like you, son. (laughs) They try to set us up against each other when I went to the store. Yeah. When I went to the store, Tony was in there chilling and we just was like, yo, what's up? Yo, you know, and we became mad cool. We to this day. Yeah, that's dope. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Tony Touch is a nice guy. Toka, man, he's he's a cool guy, man. Like, yeah, he's yeah. yeah he you can't you can't get mad at Tony. No, no, no. <laughs> the, 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 like, in, wait, yeah. go on. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm about to say when you know the je- you know the jealousy and the, all that in the hood, you know, I, they tried to set it off like that, but it didn't pop off because cooler heads prevail. We we are cool cats, so yeah, we give thanks. We give thanks for that. Absolutely, yep. absolutely. But it's interesting hearing you talk about the people you met, and and you always think about. We still remember going to the record stores. Buying vinyl, buying all the thing, the new mm. things. You know, the owners holding it underneath the 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 till, so they know it's you. Oh, we got that for you. Yeah. All that stuff. That fostered that. that fostered that idea of community and music together. Yeah, and we have yeah. it in a different way now. We have you know fuck faces on Twitter talking about bullshit, but we have it in a different <laughs> way now. But I guess I guess for both of you, there's 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 um that essence of community and music is something that we miss in hip hop, but. It's yeah. just it's just kind of diverted a little bit. Is, is that something that you guys are conscious of nowadays? Is it something you foster still amongst your group to keep that network grow, growing and keep that community going? Or is that something that you just go, that's in the past, we just let it go? I mean, there's certain things in the past you wish you could bring back because that's, yeah. that's what kind of helped the essence of the good music that we all put out. Not only, you know, us and, you know, boot camp, but, you know, Tribe and... And and Daylight and Gangstar and you know, uh, digging in the crates like you know we all lived off each other. Yeah. Where we at D and D, we had Premier down the hall. Yeah. So Premier made something that made us go, "Yo, we got to go fucking make something bigger than this." You yeah. know what I'm saying? Or when we would do something, Prem would go, "Yo, I got to make something bigger than that." Or like the, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I, I was about to say the, it's like the friendly competition, mm, right? Like, and, and you know, I knew this was probably what you was going to head to. Like, you know, back in the days, we would visit each other's sessions, right? Like, we would we would go to Battery to go see Tribe. We go to um soundtracks. Is the soundtracks one? For who? No, not soundtracks. Uh, yeah, no soundtrack was for soundtrack was for yeah. Mob Deep and Buster. Yeah, yeah, and it's like you know we. We would run around and and visit each other and you know and I was, and share music with each other like yo listen to this listen to that that community right there is what's really missing mm. yeah you know what I'm saying now we all all of us are still cool but it's more of a virtual thing or a phone call or you know like it like that 
you know, when you get together and you're hearing different joints and it inspires you, that's what it was back then. Like you had to outdo it. We was outdoing each other, but it was a friendly competition. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was. It's that old Wu Tang adage of you know, steel shop and steel and it proximity was, as well. Yeah, proximity. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Right. That's right. I, I want. I want. Before I go to 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 Chris, this has just popped into my head very very quickly. Um, Evil DIC, you sipping on on some? I guess it's some smoothie, and it made me. No, think, it, it was actually coffee. Okay, it's coffee. Oh, nice. nice. I'm a coffee drinker yeah. too. I wanted to ask you about pouring water. For the silent treatment remix. Come on. What what, 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 what are we talking about? Here? Why, why are we pouring water? Come on. Where was this poured? In what studio? What happened? What, what, what happened? Nah, what it was was I just wanted to do something different. Right. And like, you know, everybody knows, like I like I said um before, I said if you listen to the silent treatment remix, you hear water pouring. Yeah. That's that happened at this D and D. Wow. Shout out to David Watt. Shout out to David Lockwin. Like we 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 yeah. We've spoken to David numerous times for the podcast. Great guy, D and D for Lightwin is one of the best human beings ever to walk this planet. Yeah, wow, that's a big one. That's it's, a big statement. Whoa. Listen, it's like, I mean, not not to cut you, E, but D and D, Doug and Dave, uh, Lightwin was the like Doug. We love Doug, but Lightwin was our favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, to me, Doug, I used to always go back and forth with Doug because I used to be telling, I tell Doug, Doug, you got to spend more money. Doug, you got to do this. And he wouldn't listen to me. Lotwin, Lotwin was so easygoing and blah, blah, blah. Lotwin was, he's the best, man. He's the best. D&D. D&D is one of those places I wish I could have gone to. If there was a time machine, I'd go to D&D. Same. Man, I still wish D&D was here. Yeah. Yeah, I would still wish it was it. Like even like even when like even when Premier bought it, mm-hmm. like he just he took it to another he took it to the level where they were supposed to take it to. You know what I'm saying? Like he he fixed it up. He you know put some more he put some more up to date stuff in there. Like it was dope, you know. But D and D had to go. Like you know they actually sold the building. Mm. Oh, they sold they sold the entire building. Wow. Yeah, they sold the building because. You know, but you know, gentrification and mm-hmm. everything. So, like, they sold the whole the building. It's a um, it's a hotel now. <clears throat> wow. That building's a hotel. But um, yeah, like D and D, you gotta understand. This was a place that I was at from Monday to Friday, from twelve and a half. Well, not we we booked from twelve. We get there one thirty, one o'clock. <laughs> That's a lie. That's a lie. That is a lie. We were at twelve thirty. We would get there at one o'clock. No, we no, 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 no. I'm only playing. We would get there. We would get there at twelve thirty, right? And then we would start working at one thirty. Because gotcha. as soon as we walk in the door, Kieran <laughs> Walsh was our engineer. As soon as we walk in the door, we would say, "Hey, what's for lunch?" Yeah, and then and we, we would spend a half an hour trying to figure out what we're going to eat for lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Then lunch, we get there, we'll eat it, and then finally we'll go, yo, so what are we working on today? <laughs> but the good part about that is that only happened when we was working on our own projects. Right. We was working right. with other people. We actually, you know, did everything on time. Of course, of course. We, yeah. We're spending our own money. It's our, it's our money. We didn't care. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. But trust me, the work was, we, we, work, we work better and faster than a lot of people, so. Yeah, we heard it. We heard you know, it. We heard yeah, the we results. 
We heard the output, man. That is it's absolutely legendary. And D and D, yeah, absolutely one of those places. Chris, you got I know we it. touched on touched on the water. Mr. Walt, I got I don't know what you were drinking. I don't know what you were smoking. <laughs> but I need to know what was going on when you made the beat for our digger tight. One of my all time uh-huh. favorites. What was going on? Right, I'm gonna tell you a story. Come on. <laughs> I originally made that beat for Buster. Right, hmm. and I was giving Buster. I gave Buster the beat the night before he was going on the Smoking Grooves tour with uh, the Fugees, Gangstar, and I forgot who else was on that tour. Right, and one thing about me as a producer, I give you a grace period, but a lot of MCs figured they think. Okay, this beat is only for me, and they sit on the beat. Producers hate that. We hate that with a passion. We hate that. Like, Buckshot is is notorious for that. Buckshot will come to you. If you give Buckshot a beat in 93, he will come to you in 99 and say, yeah. yo, I want to rhyme off this beat. Is yeah. this beat still open? <laughs> so, Buckshot is not the only one, but other MCs do that, right? So, I give, Buck, I give Buster the beat. But I don't hear from him. So I kept it moving. So then I give the beat to Pops the News. Wow. And Pops goes, you know, we got a beat that sounds just like this. I still not have I still not have heard that beat to this day. Never heard it. Right? So then I give the beat to God Rest the Dead Big, Big Pun. I didn't hear nothing. Nothing. Then we give the beat to Havoc. African Prodigy, nothing. I finally get the beat to Rod Digger. Even she took a minute, but she called me and said, yo, I'm going to rhyme off this beat, which was tight. We go to Buster's studio. Buster had a little studio in Wall Street. We go lay down at Buster's studio, right? Buster's there, too. He's right there, right? We go... We relay the record down. The record comes out. It does what it does, right? Mm. Buster sees me somewhere and goes, Mr. Walt, that raw digger beat is incredible. I wish you would have gave that beat to me. What, <laughs> my man? Really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I can imagine Buster gets a lot of beats, but me, me personally... If I heard that beat, I would have jumped on it immediately. Listen, one thing I will say about Buster Rhymes. When Buster, if he turns down a beat or he passes on a beat, when you hear his album, the finished product, and you hear why he didn't take your beat, you're not mad. Buster Rhymes, to Mm. this day, is one of the best beat pickers in the game. Agreed. You know what I'm saying? So you're not really mad, but... I made tight originally for him. Yeah. That yeah. beat is incredible, yo. Thank you, man. Thank you oh, so much. Like, I walk through the street. I, I listen to it like, you. Like some, sometimes I think people think there's an issue with me. When I hear that beat, yeah, <laughs> I forget where I'm at, you know. Really? Listen. Doom, doom, doom. And then when I heard the remix, uh, Lord have mercy and Pharaoh Munch, I said, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. You, you guys, you guys, you guys went way too far in a good way. In a good <laughs> way. What's, what's a monster? Yeah, you know, I always, I always tell people, I'll be like, "Yo, you know, I did that beat, but Walt, you know, he, he, he tried to, you know, 
And then when then when they they catch me out, they go, "You didn't do that, B. Walt did it." I go, "But I did the scratches at the end." <laughs> you got you now got you got to read the credits, man. That's one of those. That's one of those. That's one of um the best beats to me that Walt did. Agreed. Like that beat is cool. crazy. Like when I throw that beat on, I see how people react to it. And I've had people come to me go, "Yo, that tight record y'all did." Da 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 da. I'm like, "Hey, thanks, man. You know." <laughs> I, lo- I love I love that beat. Um, let, let's travel back in, in time because we, you know, we touched on like music and sharing. Mm-hmm. Just this week, I was t- talking to a couple of friends. I say, "Yo, man, I'm speaking to the beat miners this week. Like, you got any questions for them?" And they sent me a link to Finster Baby. Mm-hmm. Right. The first, I think that's your first, your first credit. Now, I missed that one in in my hip hop journey, and I, I never heard it until maybe two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Tell us about you know the early days of, of, of you know Finstar, Finstar, then Finstar Bundy, and that particular record. What does it mean well, to you in your discography? First of all, Finstar was was the fourth member of Black Moon. Yeah, he left because his girl got pregnant. And, you know, he had to do what he had to do, you know. So when he left, like maybe a month later, we got our deal. Right. So when we got our deal, it's like I kind of felt bad because it's like, damn, like my boy, he can't, he's not with us with this. You know what I'm saying? And what ended up happening was... um, we had the original MC Gucci Man. You know what I'm saying? MC Gucci Man was down with Dana Dane and Slick Rick. They had the Kango crew. And he, ma- he made this record back in the days called Gucci Man. I'm here. You know, it was, it was it was a New York, it was like a New York, big New York record. Anyway, he him and his partner had made a company called Cracked Records. Cassette records and CDs. Um, and what happened was he wanted to put something out. So, you know, he knew he knew about the whole Finster thing. He was like, Yo, I want to put that Finster record out. And we went to the studio, went to Calliope, and did the Finster joint. Now, um, we did we did that in one session. Everything. One session, pow. We did the pre-production here, and then we did the um the record, you know, over at um over in Calliope. And that record dropped before who got the props. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And when that record came out, yo, it was it was it was crazy. Like, and it was a it was a nice new year, it was a nice underground New York record. Now I'm not gonna get into what happened, but Uh-oh. something happened. Oh, where no, 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 it's not like that. Something happened where Finster felt like he didn't want to be on stage alone, and Bundy was his DJ at the time. Bundy went from being a DJ to being an MC, and that's how the group Finster Bundy came about. Got you. You know what I'm saying? But Finster, but like I said, Finster was fourth member of Black Moon. Mm-hmm. Bundy was my homeboy who I hung out with since a kid. He lived on a street away from me. Like, I always hung out on... I didn't hang out on my block. I hung out on another street. And that's who I was hanging out with. You know, we had our crew over there. 
So, you know, but that's 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 the fence the bunny thing in the short, you know. But yeah, that record, like that was the first actual record that me and Walt produced that came out. You know what I'm saying? Because everyone thinks the first um, me and Walt record, me and Walt beat mono record is Papa Large, Ultra Magnetic. But that that's actually Ike Lee, the guy okay. who taught us how to use a professional. He taught us how to use a sampler. You know what I'm saying? Ike Lee right. is one of the dudes that he doesn't get talked about a lot, but he's one of the dudes back in the days. Like this dude was like, he was like your favorite. Uh, he was your favorite um, ghost producer. Right. He, he ghost produced a lot of records for people, but nobody talks about this man. To this day, he still does stuff, but nobody talks about this man. But Ike Lee, you know what I'm saying? He was the first beat miner to put a record out. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Right, Walt? Yeah. Shout out okay. to Ike, Ike Lee, whoever you are, wherever you are. Shout out, shout outs to you. Man. Oh, he's he's still here. He's still here. He's still rocking. You know, that's okay. word. But but yeah, With, and that's um, a whole lot of stuff. I mean, no, that's actually uh, that's actually a, a dope story, and yeah. you, you've touched on one of my. You look. Know, there's some albums when I die, I need you to bury me with copies of this album. You know, you guys have some copies, and you got The Shining, OGC, Anita, mm-hmm. Nocturnal, like. But this enter the stage monument of an album, yeah. You see, um, niggas talk shit. That baseline, that's another yeah. song. When I'm in public and I hear that, leave me <laughs> wow. alone in it. Just leave me alone in it. Cross the road, wow. in it. Yeah, I, can't, I, I can't say that title though. Innit? I know you I'm can't. Not, so I'm, I'm saying it for you. I'm not allowed to say it. I'm saying it for you. That one there, woo. I'm messing with you guys. Silly. Just say no. Talk no shit. <laughs> but I, no, I need, we, we, we touched on it before we got on the call. So I have the deluxe into the stage, the original albums, <laughs> instrumentals, and remixes. Now, yeah. I I put on the instrumentals thinking, all right, I'm going to experience enter the stage without the words, and and there's not there's one particular instrumental that's not on there. Um, Evil D, Mister Walt, please can you explain? Okay, I'll explain it to you. Thank you. Here's what happened when that project was being created that box set we wasn't involved hold no hold stop so stop, stop, oh no stop. no no but I'm, I'm 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 gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you because remember we had a beef with nervous records that's mm. right so when that project was being created we wasn't involved and the only person that has a dat the only people that have a dat copy and an actual vinyl instrumental copy is me and Walt mm. of um, Buck 'em Down original. So now, that's, the, that's the instrumental that's not for the benefit of the listeners. That's the instrumental that's not on this reissue. Go ahead, yeah. sir. And the, all the other instrumentals, they had it nervous because I gave it to them. But I never gave them the Buck 'em Down instrumental. I don't know what happened. Maybe a slap to the. To the Maybe it slipped through the cracks or whatever, but they never got that instrumental. And so when he was making that album, instead of contacting me, you know, because we wasn't on good terms at the time. But when that album was being created, Fat Beats, who's the distributor, Fat Beats, um, Joe, Joe, who's not there no more, the original Joe, 
Mm-hmm. He he was like, yo, I would love to do this box set, but the only way I could do this box set is if you get Buck and you get Evil Buck, Walt, and all of them involved. And that's how that kind of broke the ice with us and nervous and everything. You know what I'm saying? Because before that, we were still going back and forth. And but by the time we all got cool, the project was already done. Right. Okay. So it was too late to put Buckham down. But I'm kind of glad. I'm kind of glad why? that instrument's not on there. And I'm gonna tell you why. Oh man. Because at the end of the day, you always want to hold one over the head yep. of the dude Big of fan. the of the of the cats. Like you know the people that that, that was making money over you, all for you. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And my whole thing is, yo, had he been cool with us, that project, not only would it have happened, but y'all would have had mastered copies of the instrumentals. Because instrumentals are low. The the way the quality is not real good that's on the right. instrumentals. Yeah. And it's and that's because some of those instrumentals he has aren't mixed. You know what I'm saying? Like we we got everything here. So we could have easily went through our dats and everything and and you know, did what we had to do. But, you know, now it's down the funny thing is I have show records. I have my black moon show records. They have all the instrumentals on them. Mixed, mastered, and they're loud. Cause, you know, when we did shows back then, I no matter what, I used vinyl. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So all mm. I got all my instrumentals on on um wax. One day I might sell I might sell one of those copies, but until now, nah. I, I'm going to be honest with you, man. Like, I appreciate you clearing that up, but right. I feel bad now because I went out and bought this thinking, yep, I'm supporting the artist, man. Oh, no, no, no. No, hold up. I, you are because at the end of the day, we squashed everything and we, we get paid off that out. Okay, good news. Good, good, good. Yeah, okay, so good. If, you, if, you, if you remember back then, I actually, me and Buckshot actually promoted the record. Okay, we I missed that. And Duck Down promote the box set. If you want to Duck Down site now, you can still buy the, buy the box set off of Duck Down. Oh, that's dope. That's good. good yeah, because we, we squashed our beef. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, shout out to Michael Weiss, you know. Like, shout out to Michael Weiss and shout out to Gladys Pizarro. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, they took a chance on us. And you see what happened? Yeah. Yeah, we see it. We see it. Yeah. Well, niggas, niggas, niggas talk shit. That, mm. Yeah. So I, I didn't yeah. say that. I was gonna make it clear. I didn't say that. Chris. <laughs> that was Chris. That, make it clear. That, that, that one, right? That one. Listen, I don't know. She's not here right now. You see, my wife, my wife loves Bro. you lot. It's listen. Um, you, got, you know, you know, buck, you know, you know. Buck and Down remix, dude. My wife. Oh no, she's your biggest advocate, yo. You guys define a generation. Wow. That's the thing. Like just through sonically, come on. You, able to, you defined a generation. There's a generation of gangsters walking through London defined not, not by you not, guys. Not, not me. No, not no, me. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm a so, civilian. I'm so square, yeah. I'm so square. I'm like a you civilian. No snitching, but I'm a civilian. Yeah, I'm a civilian, bro. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, um, I, I did want to say, though, Evil Day, I think it's important that the thing about, um, I like the idea of that instrumental not being on the project because it's about a value and you guys have tremendous value. Label brings what they bring in, whatever they do, whatever, whatever. But the value is with the artists. 
and had they done things you know right from the beginning that's the value you guys have and that it's it's your art at the end of the day and i'm a big proponent of that so um any any way that we can screw people over in that in that sense even though we're cool and all that stuff it's always a good thing um I wanted to get into some remixes, if if possible. Just talk about some of the yes, remixes. For like you mentioned, Deandra earlier. There's the Far Side. There's Mark Morrison. There's um, Shorty No Mass. Like it'd be good to talk about. Even Rakim as well. Shades Shades of Black. It'd be good to talk about some of the some of the remixes. Let's start with the D'Angelo one. How that happened, and then Chris will work just our way through um, sure, the different sure. remixes. I think um, I think a friend of ours, uh, Ron Miner, he passed away. A uh, couple of years ago, yeah. Uh, what was his name? DJ DJ Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, right? Yeah, aka um, Ron Miner. Ron Miner used to work at EMI at the time, and he kind of plugged us in. He plugged us into that to that remix, and um, we the original version of that remix, or the original way. That remix was supposed to go. Rakim was supposed to be on it, but Rakim never came to the studio. Something I don't know, but he never made it to the studio. So then, uh, Az was supposed to be on it, and I don't know what happened with that. Then we we got G Rap on the the remix, and um, I think EMI is EMI. I don't think I think they were scared of the sample. Yeah. So they went on and went with another. So they had somebody remix our remix. No, you know who they had? They had uh, Sway and Tech. Yeah, Sway and Tech oh, remix wow. our remix. Yeah. yeah. That's Sway and Tech. Right. No. Wow. Yeah, but. I didn't know that. I didn't know that last bit. I didn't know that they remixed the remix in, in, in some. Yeah, they. they... Yeah. Because they reissued um or they re-released Brown Sugar. Yes, that's the one I have. Deluxe and Brown that our remix wasn't on it. I, yeah, I, I'll they, be real they with you guys. The sample. I, I was listening. I was before before um preparing for this interview. I had no idea you guys did a remix for D'Angelo. Like it was. I've only heard this remix for the first time in the last week. Yeah. Wow. I yeah. didn't know. And I'm like, yo, how did I miss this? The yeah. funny thing is, out here, well, out here they had promos. They had, they had, there was um, a thousand promos made for DJs only. Right. And actually in London, it was on the B side to, um, oh man, I forgot. Cause I seen the import and it was, it was a B side to one of the singles that came out back then. Probably the single after Brown Sugar. I can't remember what it was though. The single after Brown Sugar was cruising. Yeah, so I think it was on the cruising twelve inch. Okay, you know what I'm saying. But it was, you know, it was it was a B side. No one cared. It was <laughs> it was an eye in the corner. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we 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 care about B sides over here. Like I've read somewhere, like that remix is like big in Japan. Is that true? Yeah. 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 Okay. I need to find it. I need to. I need to you, own that, Mister. What were you absolutely right? It was cruising. It's in the B side. Yeah, cruising the neck. Yeah, yeah we called you out. Wow, go on, Chris. Yeah, big like big I, fan. Go ahead. Oh no, no, I, I was just about to say, like me, I when we when we did back then when we did remixes, I always used to like research where it was gonna be, like how how it's being sold in different different markets and everything. That's you know, that's important. Dope. I'm a big big Far Side fan here. Massive massive Far Side fan. Drop remix. Please explain. Love that beat. Um, 
Mr. Walt. Um, Carmelita Sanchez. She used to work mm -hmm. at the Vinyl. She called me around this time in 95. She called me around this time, Christmas time, and said, yo, these guys, they need a, a remix of Drop. Can you do it? And I said, yo, send me the acapella. She sends me the acapella, and I'm just going through different things. And when I found that loop and that, that groove, I was like, oh, this would be perfect. So I, I I ran their original vocals with the beat that I made, um, you know, sent it back to them. They loved it. So they got the group to go in and do their vocals over to our remix. Nice. So, but if you listen, there's a part where he says, Shout out to the beat Jung crew in the ship with the beat miners. He 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 thought he was in the studio with the beat junkies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, dude, you're in the studio with the beat miners. I mean, you know, they they're the far side. They they are yeah, they're not exactly. necessarily straight and linear in the sense of how they deliver things. I mean, like you listen to drop, yeah. like you know. It's not grammatically perfect, nor does it have to be. It's the far side. We, we used mm -hmm. to it. The far side, right. Yeah, right. yeah we, we, we are used to it. But before we wrap up, I really want to touch on um, Brace for Impact. So I'm a, I'm a podcast producer, so is Summit. I was at the house of the founder of the company I work for. I didn't realize Brace for Impact is a cheat code, right? Because he it's saw me listening code? to Brace for Impact on my phone. And he looked, right. he's like, yo, you like that album? I'm like, yeah. Then he pulled out the vinyl and then we started playing wow, our, wow. Our, our favorite songs from the album. Talk about some of your memories from Brace for Impact. And um, I read somewhere that, you know, you had to kind of spend some of your own money in terms of promotion. Like, take us back to those days. What was going on with that album? <laughs> Man, listen. First of all, that album right there taught us a lot of things. It taught us, number one, it is so bananas putting together an album with a whole bunch of artists. Number two, rec company politics, which your rec company and other rec companies are crazy. And number three, do not be afraid to invest your own money into your own um, albums and stuff. Never mind what the rec company is going to do. You Sometimes you got to take matters into your own hands. You know, get dirty, pick up that phone and make your calls, um, spend that money you believe in your product, put your money where your mouth is. Raucous Records. You know what? I'm not going to waste time on them. But well, Raucous, Raucous <laughs> Records, those dudes, they are the worst. They didn't believe in... They didn't believe in the scene that they created. They always wanted to be Def Jam. They didn't want to be raucous records. And when they signed us, that's when that really came to light. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Look, w one of the worst things I've ever said um, to anybody was, I remember after, um, I would just saw all the records that Rockets put out. I saw Jared somewhere and I said, Yo, man, I love what you guys are doing, man. You guys are putting out some great music and blah, blah, blah. Yo, like, you know, keep doing what you're doing because we need this right now. Like, I just want to be a part of it. So 
that kind of that started with uh, the Black Star record, the Astrology Ace Light record. It started with that, and then he said, "Yo, you know, I have." Um, th then they said, "Yo, E, can you do this?" Um, the sound bomb. The, the sample. It wasn't even called sound bomb. It was. It was. Can you do this sample tape? Right. Right. For, like we, it, it was conventions that were going back then, and right. everybody would make sample tapes for what their label got coming out, and that's what sound bombing at was at first. And, you know, we called it sound bombing, no problem. Right. But right. when they, after they heard it, they was like, "Yo, number one, we didn't really spend no money on this record. Number two, this is an album." Right. And they was like, "Yo, we want to put this out as an album, yo." Like sound bombing is the only record that they ever made on Raucous. Where they made a profit, right? They didn't make no profits or any other other records. So, um, I'm like, yo. And then after the sound bombing came the Eminem record, Any Man. We so because they they Jared came mm -hmm. to me and said, yo, I have this guy from Detroit that you know, um, I want you guys. I want to put you guys in the studio with him. I say, yo, Jared, I don't care if he's coming on your label. I want to do it because I want to be a part of the Rockets brand. And he was like, okay. And we did the record, right? He, um, then he said, yo, you guys like a deal over here? Like, can we do some music? And I was like, hell yeah. Cause, <laughs> cause I wasn't putting it out on Duck Down, you know, for whatever reason, I wasn't putting it out on Duck Down. I felt like if I went somewhere else, it would be different business. Um, so Jared was like, yo, let's make this deal happen. And they were so behind us and, and and like when we were putting everything together, once we finished everything, that's when everybody just they wanted to be Def Jam so bad. Yeah, they wanted to be Def Jam. Like we, so the first single was "Take That," big record. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Funkmaster Flex was so behind us, played the record nonstop. The record was going somewhere. It charted. On the, this is when Billboard used to have the hip hop um, charts. It charted high on the on the Billboard um, and one mixtapes. It was always on the and one mixtapes and all that. Blah, blah. So this record was really going somewhere. Um, these guys, we overheard like on a, uh, on um, a promo call because they used to have their promo calls every Thursday. Yeah, somehow we got access to the call. We heard them say, oh, Beat Miners, they're just a local group. Don't worry about that record. That record's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. When we heard that, that's when we lost it. Yeah, that's when but we were like, yo, wow. We got to take matters into our own hands. And we basically made our own radio versions. And right. We, we, did we, all sent, we sent them all out to DJs. You know, we called in, we, we, we reached out to everybody and we pushed that record ourselves. Right. The only problem, the only reason that record did not go anywhere was because Ruckus folded. You know what I'm saying? Ruckus folded. And I knew Ruckus was going to fold because Ruckus was a Rupert Murdoch company. And that year I was at D&D &D watching news. I was watching, uh, I was watching Fox News back then. And they were, and Rupert Murdoch was up there talking. He was mentioning what he all his companies, and he did not mention Raucous. That's when I knew, yo, it was over. It's over up there. And you know that after that, like after that year, Raucous was done. 
Mm. It's like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Well, thank thank you for sharing. But I want to I want to reassure you. The 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 longevity of that album remains, and it reached us here in London because I went to HMV. And I bought that album. I remember I bought it with the Black Star album because that's when I was on my raucous thing. Mm-hmm. That, okay, album, that album means something, especially especially to people over here. It means I, something. I, I, I was going to make a joke, Evil D. Now I'm not going to make the joke. No, <laughs> make, make, make the joke no, and, ask, and ask the Mark Morrison question because we missed it. Go yeah, ahead. no, no. Because I was going to say, what did you learn about Bentleys and bitches from Razkaz? But now it doesn't feel, now it doesn't feel right to ask that question. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because I can't say the N-word, but I can say bitches. So I'm going to say Bentley's <laughs> bitches. Um, I'm, I'm messing with you. Um, nah, it's all cool. But a um, couple, couple, of, couple of questions. Well, Mark Morrison, and then I got, I got another one, and then, then we can wrap up and let you guys go on with your day. So the Mark Morrison remix, how did that come about? Because that's that's interesting one. I think Rich Christina at Atlantic Records reached out to us and yeah. did that. Now, I'm going to be real. I hated that record. I think I still hate that record, Yo. but not our version. I hate the original record. Right. And let me tell you something: that record over here in the in the states is gigantic. Really? I yo, Mark Morrison, Return of the Mac. That I think it was the biggest record of that year. Yeah. Oh no, my probably. god, that record is gigantic over here. <laughs> Yeah. And I, because I always, everywhere I went, I always heard that record. <laughs> Yo. I was like, sweet mother of Jesus. <laughs> first, first of all, <laughs> I went to, I went to London prior to us doing the mix. And I heard the record out there first. Because wow. yeah. it, was, it was out yeah. over there. Yeah. I think it was out over there, what, almost a year before? It, Poss- we, yeah, yeah, it was possibly. bubbling here for a minute. Yeah. yeah. And when I heard it over there, I was like, Yo, there's this dude. He made this record, and he's like, "Return of the Mac." I used to, I used to be in the studio. I used to go, in, I used to go in D and D's hallway and go, "Yes, I did." <laughs> like I would, Whoa. I would go into the go into the hallway and yell lines on the album, and everybody start laughing. <laughs> Little did we know, the two inch shows up, and it's Return of the Mac. Right. And, I, and I'm like, we gotta remix this. <laughs> yeah, that's that record was gigantic. Out yeah, there. yeah, that's the, and it's, and the thing that bugged me out was the remix. Like when we did the remix, I'm trying to remember who it was, but one of my friends from London called me and said, "Yo, you made a record that we didn't like into a record that's dope." Now I was like, oh, "Okay, hey, wow." The power of the you remix, know, man. The power. The power of the yeah, remix. Yeah, that's, that's what a remix is about. Yeah. Like making, taking a record and making it better. Facts. Mm. Big facts. Big facts. Especially, mm, you know. especially in that era too. The 90s. Big for remixes. Absolutely. And yeah. It was, it was a massive one. Last, last question. And it's a little off the beat. Mine is more on Evil D. I just wanted to raise this because my brother, and you did, you did an EP with him, Marzi. Evil D, you did a project yeah. with Marzi. I just want to touch upon that. That's, it was a it was a good EP it came out earlier this year. Just talk about that process with Marzi and and the mayor, of course, and then we can wrap up from there. Well, here's the thing, like Marzi, that's my that's that's my dude, man. Marzi is a very good dude, and I always like we always would he would always come to my events. Number one and number two, when I would be at radio stations or when I would be like at some other event, Marzi would just show up. And like Mozzie is one of those dudes that Mozzie's one of them dudes that if anybody said they had a problem with Mozzie, 
I got a problem with them now. Big facts. Because Mozzie is a peaceful dude. He's a humble dude. He's a peaceful dude. Don't get him. Don't don't mess with him, though. But he's a humble dude. He's a peaceful dude. And, you know, so Mozzie, you know, he's done records before. And I always would say to him, yo, you need to do, you know, like, yo, you need to do like this. You need to do like that. Finally, one day we was like, yo, let's just work on something. And that one record turned into the EP. Now, what happened with that was we started, I think we started in 2017, talking about it. Then we finally started recording 2019, 2020, and then the pandemic hit. When the pandemic hit, of course, that slowed a lot of things down. After we started getting out the pandemic funk, Mozzie, me and Mozzie, was somewhere he was like, "Yo, e, you still got those files?" It's like, "Hell yeah!" He said, "Yo, let's let's, let's finish this." And I went in, and most of it was done. So I just mixed it. You know, we did everything. It was home based. Like, why didn't I even? I didn't even take it to Jake. I, I mixed it myself. You know, and we just threw it out there, just to throw it out there, and we got a good response from it. Yeah, no, it was dope, it was super dope, super dope. And, and you know, Marzi's from the the b boy school. He's he goes through the whole plethora of the culture. He's, yeah, I mean, just as a sidebar, Tony Touch, Q Tip. He took me to. I've always wanted to go Summer Jam, right? It's mm-hmm. the thing, right? He took me to Summer Jam, like Duh. he took me up to Hot Ninety Seven, and we got mm-hmm. tickets from Ebro. We tilled there for a bit. He's like, "Yeah, here's your ticket." I spoke to enough. Or he did all the things I thought I'd never be able to do. It's like he was able to yeah. do. That. He's just he's just a great dude. He's and the I mean, mayor. He is absolutely the mayor, hundred percent. We yeah. laugh about this. We we do laugh about. It. I told him. I said I said to him about a few months ago. I was with some friends, and we're just like, Marcy really is the mayor. We're all sat in London, just going, "Yeah, he is." As we sip yeah. our coffee, he really is the mayor. Yeah. So shout now, out to him. That album, we took the money and we donated all the money from that album to charity. Yeah, it's honorable. You know what I'm saying it's honorable. So that's that's the whole thing with that album. The album wasn't about yo, we gonna make a million dollars. No, we took all that money and donated. That's right. The, the the project he did with Jaleel Beats, they uh they had um, wells put into schools yeah. and stuff like that. So a bunch of yeah. water wells for clean water in yeah. schools. Um and that was a hell of a lot of a big feat. So no, that that's big shouts to both yeah. of you, man. I'm I'm really mm. glad it happened. I'm more the same. Um but guys, listen, we we appreciate your time. Very much your so. candidness and your stories. God, my we, God, we love the stories. We, we would we would love <laughs> to do a part two because the fans have we have questions. You know, we didn't touch on like Jules, um OGC. I, I got five, five questions. I don't know, like moving on your week productions. Look, look, we have things to talk about. Whenever you've whenever been gracious. You're ready, whenever you're ready, we'll do a part two with you. Guys. Yeah, we're here. It will be it will be our pleasure. Oh Hell man. Yeah. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna hire Bentley and get some bitches. Okay. <laughs> and do the interview from there. Come on. This okay. guy, you know. This guy. No niggas? No, I, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, but listen, uh, you have, uh, we have to play we have to play niggas talk shit from the from the Bentley. <laughs> there you from go. The Bentley, right. Clean version. You'll, see, you you'll see a whole different Clean side version. of me, bro. Radio friendly version. I'm, I'm good. talking yeah. camouflage, baddies, all of that. <laughs> Evil D, do you have the clean version by any chance I can borrow? <laughs> that baseline is that baseline no. is from the pit of hell, and I love it. Now nah, you guys, you guys are amazing. You guys are amazing. Thank I you, man. You. Thank, Thank you so much. You. Appreciate all the you. Best. Thank you. All the best. <laughs>